Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I am joined by London. From the shadows, maybe he will appear, maybe he won't, Shadow Adam. History of the Batman with London is produced and engineered by the great Mason Booker. London, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> well, listen, I, I want to get right into it today. Let's not go with any small talk yet because I did see Batman uh, versus Superman. I want to get into <laughs> that with you, but not right now because I do not want to keep our guests waiting. Okay. So can you tell me who we have here on the phone joining us? We have a great guest, and I'm very thankful that he called in. We have writer Gabe Soria. Hi, Gabe. Hello. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. No, thank you. I think it's Gabe Soria. Soria? Yeah. Did I say Soria? Gabe, come on, man. How do we pronounce the name? <laughs> we asked you off air. I know. It's the nerd. Uh, it is Gabe Soria. See, Soria. I was right. Ah. I was well, my right. apologies. Now, Gabe, real quick, or actually London, what a, what? Why is Gabe so special to us here? Well, because <laughs> I know why he's special to me. Because I want to get into it. Because I think right. we might actually know each other, Gabe. It's, oh well, uh, well, you know why I perhaps I'm so special to you, but I don't. I, I have no idea why I'm special to the show as a whole. So <laughs> inform me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like humble guests. So London, <laughs> tell us a little bit about Gabe, and see if you can introduce him properly. Well, he has written several Batman books and has contributed a lot to the mythos, including issues for Batman 66. And since that Batman 66 is celebrating its 50th anniversary, I think that's great to talk to someone who contributed writing to the comic. And he's also written other Batman books that we'll talk about. And just in general, we like to have different artists and creators come on the show and talk about their experiences within the industry and writing for Batman and working in Batman and DC Comics. So you are of great importance. I think anyone that contributes to Batman and any media is very important to the show, Gabe. <laughs> now, do you see why you're so well, special? <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, shucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, it's a privilege. Uh, so uh, ask away. Uh, start questioning me. Uh, yeah, put the harsh spotlight upon me. All right. Well, we're going to get there. <laughs> but first, tell us about your connection with Meltdown Comics. Because as you know, we are recording live here out of Meltdown Comics, Sunset Boulevard, 7522 Sunset. Check it out, MeltComics.com. What's your connection? Well, I was very surprised that y'all didn't know that I actually worked for Meltdown for a while back almost 20 years ago now i'm old i'm in my early 40s i started working for meltdown in september of 1996 when i had just moved back to los angeles from new orleans after a, a summer living here I, I i live in new orleans now and i worked in its original location across the street from where Meltdown is now. It was in one location next to the, a couple doors down from the Thai restaurant across the street from y'all. And then it moved up about a half a block across from where you are now. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, the building that Meltdown is currently in, the storefront that it's currently in, used to be a children's furniture store. Did you guys know this? Yes. <laughs> 
Do you know the name of the children's furniture store? That I don't know. Okay. This is a good one. We used to marvel at the building you guys are in right now because it was, no joke, called Sid's Furniture Store. I do remember that. <laughs> That's, uh... we, we were constantly just like, do they know? I guess they don't know. Gaston and I would like be would watch, like, look at the store and think, that is amazing. And then years later, Meltdown moved there. And I'm very happy to see that Meltdown is still thriving and has become a locus of comics and pop culture entertainment in Los Angeles. Because back then, it was uh, the store would get visited by lots of folks. Like Bob Odenkirk would come in and quiz me about eight ball and things like that. But I'm just incredibly happy that it's still a, a thriving concern. And every time I come back to Los Angeles, I, I come in, I talk to Gaston, and I kind of talk about how, oh, yes, I used to work here. So, <laughs> Well, I will tell you, first of all, Gaston didn't know you were going to be a guest. So otherwise, he would have ah. said that. <laughs> Second of all... Uh, I, Adam Silverstein, if you know or remember, I don't recognize the name, but I was a customer when you were working because I started going to Meltdown in 1995 when I moved out here from Ohio. I was uh, in law school. I had red hair, red beard. I don't know if you remember, but I would be there every Wednesday buying comic books. And uh, I don't know how long were you working at Meltdown? I worked for Meltdown for about a year. I had been going there previously. Uh, my friend Nico lived right down the street. Uh, so that's how I met Gaston and Aaliyah. And, uh, you yeah, know, so I was there for about a year. It's like it was a kind of a, it was a stock gap measure, making a little bit of money uh, while I pursued other interests. But I was always there. So, yes, I probably sold you copies. You probably did. Well, nice to see you again. (laughs) Okay. So, let's talk about Batman. Oh, man, I want to talk about your history of the Los Angeles. (laughs) But I guess Batman, it is the history of the Batman podcast. Well, I guess we can start with just you and comic books. Have you read comics your whole life, or is it just a newer hobby? Oh, no. uh, Comics have been a part of my life ever since I have any sort of memory of anything. Um, as far as I know, I was reading comics from when I was able to read. I have an older brother, uh, Matt Soria, who was really into comics, and I have very intense and just very acute memories of reading comics in the 70s. Like, I was born in 1973. Uh, I started reading very early, according to my mom. So, around about 78, 79, I was reading a lot of comics. There were a lot of comics around the house. My brother had comics. So, I was always very, very, very into DC and Marvel stuff. And... Yeah, I, I, can, I can't actually remember a time in my life when comics weren't a major influence in what I was doing and what I was reading. That's 
That's awesome. It's always great to hear when people are writing and doing comics that they've had like a long history with personally, because I'm sure that makes the work you do writing comics even more fun. Oh, certainly, certainly, certainly. Uh, that the very idea that I write comics nowadays, uh, you know, I am by no means, uh, I, I don't consider myself a, a successful writer of comics, <laughs> but uh, the very fact that I have been able to write some comics, uh, especially comics about characters I loved as a kid, is still will still give me pause to this day. I still, I, I, I don't quite believe it. <laughs> what were your, um, some of your favorite, I guess, DC? Do you remember, like, the ones that you grew up with? Was Batman one of them, or were there other characters or books? Well, well Batman certainly was a uh, major uh, character that I loved growing up. I was, when thinking about talking to y'all, I started thinking about some of, the, the Batman comics I, I loved or really affected me as a kid. And I actually uh, zeroed in on a run. I guess it would have been in 1978. Uh, like, uh, like writers like uh, Len Wein, Steve Anglehart. Uh, actually, I'd love to ask Len Wein or Len Wein, like how would I pronounce his last name? <laughs> But uh, Detective Comics in 1978, I realized, completely destroyed and shaped my world. I, 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 it's researching this. I was like, oh yeah, these are all the stories I love, like the 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 Jokerfish stories and the Clayface mm-hmm. stories. And Detective Comics in '78 were all things that just like really just like warped my mind what was it about those stories that really got to you well well, they're horror stories Mm -hmm. (laughs) they are like they're that year in detective comics it they are complete it is batman horror right the joker the joker in that year is a complete psychopath yes the the uh the joker fish uh Thing, like the Joker gas thing that was going on at that time was just so like it was so terrible and random mm-hmm. that it just as a kid I remember just being completely just completely put off by the Joker and <laughs> really hoping Batman would really do something to him to stop him from just engaging in this like nonsensical and terrifying uh, action against some citizens of Gotham City. And then uh, the Clayface, th- I guess it's, it's now known as Clayface 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, that whole story with like the, the, uh, like, uh, uh, the obsessive man obsessed with like the fashion model, like, uh, or it's not really a fat, she's not really a fashion model. She's like a, a mannequin he's obsessed with. Mm-hmm. That stuff, yeah, really, just God, I, I I can feel the chills that I had as a kid reading these stories, not understanding them at all, <laughs> at but, all. But but they so, you enjoyed them. Oh, I, mean, I enjoyed them quite a bit, right? But at the same t- at the same time, I was really into 
uh, I loved listening to the uh, Power Records Batman stories, the, like like the Batman with Sherlock Holmes stuff. It's mm-hmm. great. Batman like a uh, 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 versus Gorilla Grodd and Gorilla City stuff was great. At the same time, I was reading tons of Marvel comics. Really, just really into uh, Marvel stuff. So when I was a kid, like late seventies, early eighties, I was very into Batman, very into X Men, very into uh, yeah. I, I read, I read it all. Read it, I read everything. Were you into Frank Miller's Daredevil? You know that is one thing I came to later. Ah. I don't. I, I I was not. I don't think it was. I uh, wasn't quite sophisticated enough to pick it up. Uh, Daredevil wasn't a character I really was drawn to at the time. Um, I like, I really first started getting like, when I was aware of that, I was into comics that I was like, this is something I dig was around 1985. I was 12 years old and I started picking up crisis on infinite earth at a local, like a basically mom and pop store in uh, South central LA. I'd get off school and walk down to the store while I was uh, waiting for the the city bus home. And I started picking up Crisis on Infinite Earths. And this is way before, like, any of us had, like, you know, the internet where we knew any of this stuff was going on. So when Crisis on Infinite Earths came out, it was like, oh, this is, like, a completely bizarre, like, what are they doing with DC comics now? <laughs> and I started picking that up and I started realizing that like, I knew all these characters that they were talking about. Like I had somehow absorbed all of it from, the, from some previous years. And that was like my first real kind of like I am into comics moment. My, uh, my come to Jesus moment <laughs> where I was like, like, I love comics so much. I don't know why I love them so much, but I am going to come to this grocery store, like small grocery store every week. I didn't know, I, I didn't even know at that point that comics came out every month. I would I would go there every week hoping to see another issue of Crisis and Infinite Earths. And then I realized like somehow I'd been I had trained myself to be like this kind of weird acolyte of all these comics. Nice. So you were seeing everything that was on the stand. Were you picking up other stuff or were you just waiting for the crisis books? The crisis books were like, were utterly fascinating. I was, uh, at that, at that time I was also, uh, really into uncanny action. Uh, that was, a, a if I recall correctly, that was real, the prime, uh, Chris Claremont, John Romita Jr. years. Mm-hmm. And, so those are my things. And that and John Burns' uh, Alpha Flight. Oh, those yeah. were like the, the comics of those uh, uh, of, of around then. That's, that's all I wanted to read. I wanted to read Crisis. I wanted to read Alpha Flight. And I wanted to read Uncanny X-Men. Not, I might be like conflating years and uh, pushing them all together in my old age, but that's what I remember being into at that time. That and Captain Carrot and the Amazing. I was going to ask you about that. 
I was wow. going to ask you because that at that time I was into that. I mean, also during around that time is like when the Ninja Turtles first came out, and then Usagi Ojimbo first came out, and there was all there was oh, this yeah. whole animal, uh, you know, I guess genre that that had just touched everything i mean peter porker the amazing spider ham also was out there during that time (laughs) but to me the best captain carrot and i'm sure you will agree if you don't then i i won't believe you but when they met the just a lot of animals and there was yeah and bat mouse and and super squirrel uh oh no and green green lantern or whatever green lampkin yeah green lampkin yeah. Yeah. Um that era in Los Angeles is also an amazing era for comic book conventions because I don't know if y'all go to these conventions now, or they're still going on. But the uh around about that time was when I started going to the Los Angeles comic book and science fiction convention. The one down at the shrine. Which, yes. Uh back then eighty five was being held at the Ambassador Hotel on Wilshire, which has since been uh, demolished. That uh, that was the hotel that uh, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated assassinated in. But back then, it was an incredible hotel. And I would either ride the bus down there by myself or my mom would take me, and I could go and get uh, Stan Sakai to do a a drawing for me of Usagi Ujimbo. I could. Uh, I saw Patrick Stewart do uh, a workshop of what would later become his incredibly famous and renowned one-man show of A Christmas Carol. Uh, like incredible, incredible stuff. And comic book collecting and reading at that time in Los Angeles was so beautiful and fertile. You could just go to that. Go to that show and buy whatever comic you wanted to get and like just uh reload for next month where you would go you would go back again and get more and more books. So that time, like I I, I am actually very I'm envious of myself for being able to be into comics at that time in Los Angeles because it was a great time to be a comic fan in LA. It was so good. You can ask Gaston about that. <laughs> like the and like whenever I go back to Los Angeles nowadays, I hope that I'm around during the Shrine show. The because wh- whenever that happens, it's it's so fantastic. It is such a great great vibe. I don't know if, uh, how, how often y'all go. Well, I haven't been in a while, tell you the truth. <laughs> but uh, well, you- that's not because of anything other than the fact that, you know, Meltdown has really just become quite a hub. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right. I mean, not, to, not to just pimp Meltdown out right now, but, I mean, right now we've got a Meltology, which is drawing going on, where it's just community draw. There is a comedy show in the back. There was a Kickstarter campaign launched today. There's XSN, the home shopping network for geeks, out of the out of the uh, out of meltdown. So there's so much going on that you kind of you know you, you get everything here, and then you say to yourself, oh, "Well, I probably should go to the shrine, but 
<laughs> to wait in line and to, you know, those kinds of things. Just being lazy, basically. <laughs> being a spoiled Los Angeles comic book fan. Now. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys realize how integral the Shrine show, which it became, uh, by the time I was in college, I went to, I went to USC. Uh, by the time I was in college, it was entrenched at the Shrine. And that show, like, launched... And was so integral in so many kind of uh, genre uh, properties. I kind of I, I hate talking about them, talking about them like that a genre property, but the Shrine Show was where you went to get cool buttons and yeah. free posters, and that's where I first saw. We'll bring it back to Batman when before the. The Michael Keaton, uh, Tim Burton film premiered in '89. That was one of the key shows, which I get, uh, I guess now like that kind of helped hype the movie when people were really down on it. And mm. I remember going there and seeing a 20 minute presentation on like uh, this film in uh, that was currently in production and being completely blown away with a whole audience of folks. Um, the Shrine Show. Uh, uh, are you all familiar with the film uh, Galaxy Quest? Yes. <laughs> the show they're at is a Shrine Show. It's 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 that convention. Okay. It, it, that that's, that's that's what it's meant to be. It's like that whoever whoever wrote that or uh, did the production design or it was based off of that. that it was based on that vibe, so Sweet. that's the the Shrine Show. But uh, I, you guys probably want to talk about Batman or something. No, uh, no, Batman. it's fine. I, you're, you're... I, yeah, <laughs> you can talk about what. But by the way, where are you right now? So you're not in Los Angeles. Where are you? No, I'm in uh, I'm in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, I was born and raised in Southern California. I was a uh, 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 Redlands and Los Angeles. That's where I'm from. But, uh, I haven't lived in LA since 97. Uh, all my family is still there. I come out frequently, but since, uh, 97, uh, 98, I've lived in New Orleans, Austin, New Orleans, uh, Brooklyn, New Orleans, Brooklyn, and New Orleans again. So <laughs> I'm here in New I'm here in New Orleans right now. I am coming to you live from uh, right up at St. Claude Avenue, <laughs> near well, the Industrial Canal. Ah, well, we're we're very happy to have you. <laughs> uh, I, I love New I, I love New Orleans quite a bit. <laughs> like next to Los Angeles, it's my favorite place in the world. And no. Next to Los Angeles and New York. Okay. Well, you've said that you were you definitely have a long history of comics. So, where um when did you start writing comics? Like how did you break into the comic book writing? Did you know you wanted to write comics? Did you write beforehand other things? How did all well, that I've, start? I've always wanted to write comics. I like it was I uh, it uh ambition of mine since I could imagine having ambitions. Uh, when the Marvel tryout book came out, I remember I wrote uh, like a script for the, the 
the Spider-Man thing and that. I sent it in to no response. Uh, I wanted to... God, that's all I wanted to do was to write comics. I had actually, in 1984, uh, interesting story, uh, I'd met the, uh, this guy, Pat Duffy, through my mom's work, who was the brother of Joe Duffy, the, uh, the comic book writer, the great comic book writer, uh, who wrote Power Man and Iron Fist, and she also wrote Star Wars at the time. Uh, I almost went out to New York for a summer to hang out with her. Because, uh, like, Pat was like, oh, go hang out with my sister. Like, uh, she'll take you to the Marvel bullpen. Never happened. But, <laughs> and to this day, I regret that. Because what, what, what stories I could tell about that. Like, oh, when I was 11 years old, I hung out in the Marvel bullpen. But um, in my uh, late teens, I started doing music journalism. Like kind of accidentally, I was re- I'm really into music as well. So I started doing music journalism, and that basically I did that for my you know, all of my twenties. And when I moved to New York in the, uh, the early aughts, the oddies, I got a job writing for a, and editing a comic book website. And while working there, I met a lot of the New York comic book folks. Uh, New York is a hub of comic book writing, comic book uh, art. And I started interviewing a lot of folks, going to a lot of parties. And I met a gentleman by the name of Dean Haspiel, uh, who, if your listeners don't know him, is one of the greats. He is one of the great comic book writers and comic book artists of the last 20, 30 years. And Dean and I always talked about comic book ideas. And one day he told me that he was going to a meeting with a woman named Joan Hilty, who is a, who was at that point an editor at DC comics. And he wanted to talk about some ideas and I happened to mention to him like I've got this idea for a Batman story where it's just 20 pages of death traps <laughs> and Dean said oh, I'll mention it to her and later that afternoon I remember, I remember Dean sent me an email saying Joan loved the idea and that was my intro into the comics writing world I happened to just like by chance be able to sell a an idea to uh, an editor at Batman Adventures. Right. So, uh, uh, and that was the first thing I ever did, and it was a, it was a super meta story, mm-hmm. and that's basically what I've done with Batman ever since I've been writing uh, comics. I've just like done meta Batman stories. <laughs> Right, and that was what Batman Adventures and Number Nine that came out around like yeah. 2004, right? Yeah, that's a really great story, uh, by the way. I love the Batman Adventures uh, publication general, and that's a really great story because you can see like all the, like different villains, and like you said, it's all about the trap, so it's, it's very cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's great like, that like, that's the story you thought of or you had the idea for it, and they embraced it so much to let you write it. So that's great. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, uh, I was shocked that Joan went for the idea. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, at every stage of the, the process, I was shocked that it was going forward. I was shocked whenever I saw a bit of Dean's art. I was shocked when it got published. I was shocked when we uh, did a signing at Jim Hanley's Universe. Like, I was completely in shock. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was years, it was over a decade until I wrote another issue of Batman. Right. Like, uh, I did. Right. You were, and then that's when you started to do issues for the Batman sixty six, right? Yeah, I. Uh, um, or at least when around that time. Well, when with when Batman sixty six was announced, I remember like reading, uh, walking down the street. I was walking down Vanderbilt on uh, in Brooklyn. And reading the uh, the news about Batman sixty six uh, being announced, and I remember sending a text to Dean, kind of uh, both livid and sad, that this book was being announced, and neither of us were the creators on the book because <laughs> when we did uh, when we did a uh, Death Trap a Go Go, mm-hmm. our uh, Batman adventure story. The main criticism we got from a lot of Batman fans was that it was too much like the Batman TV show <laughs> and that we, we didn't know what Batman really was, mm. and which is a, a point I partially agree with. It was like, it was like the Batman TV show. I do know who Batman is or I, what Batman can be or but right. I really wanted to watch some, I really wanted to write something that was an, a tribute to the show, which I loved. Right. And, I was going to ask, did, were you a fan of the show? Did you watch oh that? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> I love Batman in all of his iterations. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, I, I, I can't say I love, like, every Batman story that's ever been written. Right. But I love the fact that you can do a lot of things with this character. And I love the Adam West Batman. I love it. I love it for its optimism. I love it for, for its like surrealism. I love it. For, I love it for its weirdness. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's one of the great Batman iterations, along with uh, Batman the Animated Series. It's like it's it's incredible to me, and it's like it's something I will return to you always. Definitely, so. for me, uh, that was my first introduction was the Batman sixty six show, and Adam West is my favorite live action Batman. Kevin Connery is my favorite Batman overall. So I agree with you on both that both shows were, and they both are iconic for their different reasons. But I mean, even 50 years later, Batman 66, even though some say it's campy in the time period it was in, in the sixties in that pop art era, it fit just perfectly just illustrating that Batman. Because like you said, there's so many different types of Batman. He's been, created so many different ways but i i definitely agree batman during that era was like perfect in in terms of just relating it to the comics he was in and all of the yeah. characters and color and just everything so yeah I, i'm sure and you were excited to even 
be part of the 66. So when you found out that they were doing the 66 book and you hadn't been part of the series, I mean, how did you move forward? Did you say, I have to write stories or how did that work out? Well, it was, it, it's funny because when it was announced, I told Dean like, ah, oh, God, there's this story I've been thinking of for so long that would have been perfect for this book. And maybe about a year passed and Dean happened to email me and say, like, I think Jim, uh, Jim Chadwick, mm-hmm. great guy, the okay. editor of the book is looking for some stories. And I had, I had written this pitch for, uh, uh, this, uh, this story and it forwarded to Dean, Dean forwarded to Jim, and Jim said, that sounds great, let's do it. And it was, not, not that it was easy, but it was, it just happened all of a sudden. And I was able to collaborate with Dean once again. And that story uh, was, you know, it was, it was a really, really uh, fun story. Uh, like, I, uh, to do is a it was a, a yet another meta Batman story like this this one was called uh, uh, God, same bat time same bat channel <laughs> and the idea the idea of it was that in the reality of the uh, the bat of Batman 66 uh, the Batman TV show that some like inevitably there is media attention upon Batman and somebody bases a television show on Batman, only they get it, quote-unquote, wrong. They uh, depict Batman on television as a, like, a violent, kind of noirish Batman uh, like uh, vigilante, which is uh, the opposite of what people... Like, you know, when Batman is depicted in at, in the show, but it's also uh, I'm kind of losing my thread here. Well, well <laughs> that's that's actually a perfect point to stop because actually one sec we want to uh, pay our respects to our sponsors. So give us one minute to do so, and then we'll come back to you. Can you hold that? All right. All right. Thank you. I will hold that bat thought. There you go. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll return in a second. All right. We're back. We're back. (laughs) That was it. So let's pick up that thread there, London. Right. So, Gabe, you were talking about one of uh, your stories for the Batman 66 series, the same bat time, same bat channel. And I've actually read that story and that was really oh. fun actually oh, thank you thank you thank you you, you flatter me <laughs> i also enjoyed one of well you've you've done several stories but i liked your bad men it was a parody on mad men right yes, yes. right uh, <laughs> and yeah. they and it was like penguin and joker and like riddler and catwoman and they all like kidnapped these advertisement men to redo their image and i 
I always kind of liked that just because it it all it puts in it's a parody of Mad Men, which is in the same era and the same decade. And it it, it almost made me um, want to ask you, were there other I guess, influences besides just the TV show and its vibe and its theme that you got to writing the different stories that you did? Were there any comics or any other media? Because I know, of course, the basis for the City Six publication is to bring to life that TV series. But were there any other um, influences that you had when you were writing these stories? Well, uh, certainly. I'm a student of history. Mm -hmm. So... uh, (laughs) Every single thing I've wrote for uh, Batman 66 was not only influenced by the show itself, but uh, the time. Um, so, uh, same bat time, same bat channel was uh, influenced by my interest in television of that era. And also the idea of Batman like having... Kind of multiple uh, identities, multiple iterations. Uh, uh, Batman was uh, influenced by not only like this, uh, the idea of like the perception of villains and the perception of uh, heroes in Gotham City was also influenced by the show Mad Men. Uh, the the other Batman 66 story I wrote, uh, the, uh, the short Halloween, which was uh, about kids acting like Batman heroes and villains, was influenced by the the Halloween culture of the decade, like the the the, the merchandising of Ben Cooper style mask, the plastic mask that kids would wear. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 way they would like in the seventies when I was a kid, this, the way they would uh, basically play act uh, being heroes and villains. Um, it's a like all there's so much like everything I wrote for Batman. Uh, for uh, I've written for Batman has has been just kind of completely like wrapped up in these uh, not only the Batman itself but the pop culture influences around Batman. And does that make I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it definitely does. Especially, I, I mean, like I said, I think when I think of Batman 66 and the 60s in general, pop art is very important to me. It's one of my favorite, just that whole movement. And that's probably why that series is one of my favorites, because I think that embodied the culture that surrounded it, The probably one of the best within all of its history and in DC Comics' media. So that's why I've loved all of the Batman 66, that whole run, because it just, like I said, it totally embodies that decade, that era, and especially the show. I mean, I was so excited when I first heard that there was a comic based off of the show, and especially since the merchandising just kind of started coming in the last couple of years and everything. So I'm sure as a fan of the show, you were just excited to be a part of bringing that to comics. Well, it's also, it's, it's very, uh, it's very exciting and very 
heartening uh, that the show is getting more respect now because for a while you like it uh, for many many years uh, the show's name was Mud. If you mentioned that you liked the show, then you weren't a Batman fan. You weren't exactly. a real Batman fan. <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, that was always really sad to me that the a lot of Batman fandom was so kind of navel-gazing that they didn't realize that or couldn't understand or accept that that Batman was very, very much a legitimate part of the mythos and you could you could you could not be into it and that's fine but saying that it wasn't really batman was so bizarre to me right and so sad yeah and i think it's because so. with the modern batman like through the early 2000s and, and forward everyone is used to this kind of dark interpretation which is why when you said that when you kind of got a little bit of criticism for your Batman adventure story because it was a little bit lighter I suppose than the other current comics and comics in Batman detective comics and especially when the Nolan movies came out and everything I think a lot of people who were just used to those books maybe didn't see that there were other types of Batman, especially the 66 Batman. So I really think it depends on what what Batman media you were exposed to. And then you may think that, exactly. oh, that's not really Batman because he's not like I see him on, in this show or in this comic. But Batman 66 and all of the other Batmans are just as important as the recent ones. <laughs> yeah. It's all Batman. It's all really Batman. I'm like Batman. Uh, like I guess it's a a very Walt Whitman thing, but like Batman contains multitudes. There's there are so many Batman ideas. It's a very such a very powerful uh, archetype that you can, you can do anything with it. Uh, people will know when it's phony and when it's not right, but. I yeah, I love the Batman Six stuff. I love it. I love it to death. I'm Jeff Parker. Like let's right. give props. Yes. To how he just he really that dude killed it with yeah, that series. Definitely. I'm very. I'm very, I'm, I'm very jealous. I wish I had been the, the primary <laughs> writer. But. But. But I ain't hating on the dude. The dude did really really oh. No, that is, good job. the entire and, creative team on that book, artists, all of it, just amazing. All came together just amazingly. Yeah, like, uh, uh, like I don't know, um, like, speaking of creative teams on the, on the book, mm-hmm. I, it, it really hasn't, uh, I guess, uh, it hasn't really been talked about, but uh, Ty Templeton, yes. who I collaborated with, on Batman, uh, I my one of my claims to infamy <laughs> will forever be that I gave I possibly gave Ty Templeton a heart attack <laughs> over Ow. the course of <laughs> doing our story, and this is what happened. Okay, the Batman story was a ten-page story, very. In and out very quick. Right. Uh, 
I had gotten uh, the inks of the first five pages, and I had looked at them and sent just a couple of very minor corrections to Jim, the editor. And Ty was like, yeah, I'll do them. Cool. Very good. That night, apparently while working on these corrections I suggested, Ty had a heart attack at at his drawing desk. He was in the hospital for a little while, a couple weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there thinking, holy shit. Pardon my language. But holy shit. I gave Ty Temple a heart attack. <laughs> like, asking for some corrections. And Jim and I were wondering, like, oh, oh God, what, like, you know, what are we going to do? Like, this story is halfway done. What are we going to do? Ty got out of the hospital, went home, recovered for a little while, and got right back into the story and finished it. <laughs> wow. And that's pretty impressive. So, and, <laughs> and finished it like a champion. Sounds, and... sounds like Batman coming, <laughs> defeating the odds <laughs> to defeat the villain. He, he destroyed that story. It was so good. Like, uh, so much more than I am worthy of. <laughs> and, ah, like, ah, <laughs> like, I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. I think about it now. I can't believe it. So. Wow. Well, that is so, that's there you go. A, yeah, that's that's an awesome story, and that is something you'll always remember. Which that yeah. that's great. Which means you need to have a oh, heart attack to write the best right. Batman stories ever. <laughs> so, what are you working on now? I know it might not be Batman, but what what are you doing? What writing or what projects are you on right now? Well, right now I am writing. A mini series for a comic company, uh, uh, Z2 Comics out of Brooklyn. I'm writing a five issue mini series for them called Murder Ballads, oh. which is uh, of like, a, a basically, I guess I, I call it a loser noir, a very Coen Brothers esque noir set in the lower echelons of the music business in the late 1990s. Oh, it wow. takes place in Shreveport, Louisiana, and it will have the one of the great things about it is that uh, it will have um, two or five issues. Every issue will have a song that comes with it, and uh, those songs and the soundtrack will be written by my friend Dan Auerbach from uh, the Black Keys. Oh, that's awesome. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dan, I've known since the, uh, the the band started. And a couple of years ago, I asked him, hey, would you be willing to do this? He said, yeah, like, unexpectedly. And my excellent agent, Charlie Olson, finally got this deal going. And I'm writing that right now. Um, I am I'm always pitching stuff to DC. Uh, uh, Are you pitching anything batman <laughs> Or do you plan on doing uh, that in the future, maybe? Well, golly, uh, you know, <laughs> I pitched, I, 
I pitched this. I pitched a book that never went anywhere. Uh, I like working on Batman sixty six. I had an idea for a book called DC sixty six. I wanted to do a book that was. I wanted to do three issues. That was it. Online, maybe in print. Uh, that was a kind of else uh, a DC Elseworlds thing set in a world where there were more DC television shows that premiered that fall. Oh, that's really I wanted to do, Oh, mm-hmm. oh I, I, I pitched them a story where I, I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to do a teen Titans thing that was kind of based on the monkeys, <laughs> which premiered in, which premiered in the fall of 1966. I wanted to do a doom patrol, which was, would have been kind of slightly modeled on mission impossible, which uh, also premiered in the fall of 1966, and I wanted to do a Legion of Superheroes, which would have been kind of uh, based on an Irwin Allen time uh, tunnel sort of thing, which also premiered in the fall of 1966. Right. That's, and mm-hmm. that went nowhere. Oh, <laughs> that I love that. <laughs> Definitely, so, like you said, it really puts the history into dc with those that sounds really cool well maybe one day in the future they'll pick it up and i would definitely read that (laughs) it it would it would have been great if it it, uh had been released this year right 66 um (laughs) you know i I had a lot of batman 66 pictures that went nowhere i have i pitched a lot of other batman stuff that went nowhere so i have no I have no DC comic stuff going on right now, uh, much to my chagrin. Uh, <laughs> I would love to work uh, more with them. I would, I'd, I'd love to do Marvel work as well. But right now, I'm focusing on uh, the, uh, the murder balance stuff. Uh, and when will re- that be out, or or is that that'll out be or- that'll be out. That'll be out this October. It's okay. a five-issue miniseries. So October through February. Uh, apparently, the a deluxe hardcover will come out next April. Nice. And uh, <laughs> apparently, a uh, soundtrack, uh, the, the collected soundtrack, will come out for Record Store Day next year. I oh. think, maybe. I don't know. Oh. Uh, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me. Although... <laughs> Although now I am permanently quoted up on it in the podcast. <laughs> well, Gay, how can people follow you? I mean, right, and wanna... keep updated with this and all of it. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have a, a permanent website because it's one of those things I think I should do and I never do. <laughs> uh, but you can fo- you can follow me uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, my uh, Twitter handle is. Uh, at bitchinville.com. Already B-I- followed you. Me too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, B-I-T-C-H-I-N-V-I-L-L-E uh, at bitchinville. I'm also uh, bitchinville.tumblr.com and also swordandbackpack.tumblr.com. Sword and Backpack is... I also write a lot of role-playing games. I'm a very big fantasy role-playing uh, D&D nerd. Oh, so I write my own role-playing games and like kind of very meta role-playing games. So, <laughs> awesome. There's that. 
I do a lot. I do a lot of a lot of shit. I write liner notes for records. I'm 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 out there. <laughs> well, you sound like a busy man. But thank you for coming on the show and talking about Batman and Batman sixty six and keeping that history alive and showing people that that Batman is cool too. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that Batman is the coolest. I, You're right. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't waste your time. I, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no, your your meltdown family. Exactly. Which uh, that's awesome. That's a bonus to just uh, the awesomeness sure. that you already have. So thank you again. Yeah, definitely. It's when you're back in L.A., come and yes. come and track us down. <laughs> come and well, say hi. Hopefully, I'll be there in a few months. Hopefully, I'll be there in a few months. So I uh, so. will uh, give a shout. All right, Gabe. Well, thank you. Thanks so for much. joining us. All right, thank you so much for having me. All right, oh, thank, thank you. you. All right, London. That was great to hear from Gabe. Yeah, that was awesome. Wow, meltdown connection, Batman connection. He's the <laughs> perfect guest. Yeah, that was great. And Batman sixty six even. Right. Man, it does not get better for that. No, I, I hope people pick up uh, Batman 66 issues. If you pick up uh, Volume 3, some of his stories in the collected issues. If you pick up uh, Batman Adventures Volume 2, you can read his Death Trap Go Go story. Um, he's even written Batman A Case of Truth or Dare, which is a very short uh, comic that you actually can read for free on DCComics.com. And yeah, you should definitely pick up his stuff and pick up his other books. He's a great writer, and like I said, he was keeping Batman 66 alive. There you go. (laughs) Gotta do it. All right. Well, thanks, listeners, for tuning in. This is the History of the Batman with London, presented by Meltdown Comics. And we would just like to say... Peace, love, and Batman. Batman.